Welcome to Collector's Corner, the premier digital art platform. We help collectors gain and maintain their edge, all while appreciating beautiful art. Let's jump in. Everybody, thank you for joining. Everybody who's listening later, thank you for tuning in. My name is P. You may know me online as at Aston Cloud. I'm joined by Jared, who is my co-host, Jared underscore pause here. And with the fantastic Charlotte Dan, who is releasing the Artblocks Curated Project Ceramics on Wednesday, the 15th of March, 1 p.m. Eastern, as the same time that all Artblocks stuff releases. And we're really excited about this one, Charlotte, because uh, unlike some of our other interviews, um, this, I believe, is your first is this your first long-form genitive release? Yeah, this is my first NFT project, totally. So, yeah, I mean, I've been in the generative art space for a long time, but this is my first drop, so it's all pretty new to me. Ah, exciting. So we get to meet, make a new friend, which is what <laughs> I think is going to be really cool. More than the fact, I mean, not more than, beyond the fact that your art is just really amazing. Jared, I was talking about this beforehand, the, the ceramics just look so cool. They look really realistic like i could reach out and and touch them so really excited to hear about that but perhaps we could start just a little bit about your background um you know you you sound british uh and you know i've <laughs> yeah. talked before so I, I i know you're british um but maybe you can just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how uh art has been a part of your life or when it entered in your life yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, you're very right. I am English. I grew up um, near Bath, which is a lovely city in in the sort of west, southwest of England. Um, I Yeah, art's always been a pretty big part of my life. Both of my parents are creative. Um, my my mum's and was a fashion designer, is now an interior designer. Um, and my dad works in creative construction which sounds kind of woolly but he does sort of like exhibition sets and like big events and all of the sort of staging behind that so um I've had like I've been like surrounded by different forms of creativity my whole life um so yeah I sort of have like a two-pronged approach to my, my background is kind of split into um one is the artistic side um where yeah as I say I was always always making art and then I went to art school um after I finished school, sorry, we call it art school, it's university, I don't know, you might call it college, um, where you get, uh, generally how it's done, at least in the UK, is that you have a year called an art foundation, where you kind of explore lots of different forms of art before you specialise. Um, and I was dead set on following my mother's footsteps and going into fashion. Um, so I went to this pretty big uh, fashion college called Central St. Martins um, and then it was very competitive and scary so I just kind of let go of fashion for a little bit and, and felt around to see what uh, caught my eye and I ended up picking um, jewellery design because I just love I love learning how to make things basically I guess that's my fundamental flaw <laughs> like figuring out finding material and understanding how to manipulate it and stuff and the idea that I could like see all this precious jewelry and be like oh, I can make that with my hands in like a day um that was very alluring so uh yeah I studied jewelry design uh but meanwhile I learned how to code as a teenager I mean not well I've obviously gotten better since but uh I started out making tumblr themes actually um and got pretty pretty good at that as a teenager so and then when I was at uni I was always working part-time as a web developer in the background um 
so I've sort of always had these two strands to my life, the kind of artistic side and the technical side. Uh, and then when I finished uni, I wasn't sure kind of what I wanted to do because jewellery as an industry is really uh, difficult to break into as an independent designer. You kind of, yeah, you, you need like a lot of money to be a, to have like fun in the jewellery industry, basically. So I was like, you know, engineering, this, this, the, the web space is, is pretty good. Um, but I just didn't, I, I love making websites, absolutely love making websites, but they're very square, <laughs> like they're very flat. Um, and there's only a certain amount of like interaction. And at least like, you know, when I started making websites, you really couldn't do m much with them. You couldn't have much like interaction, animation, color. Um, I mean, obviously you can have color, but the way you could play with layout and stuff wasn't as, um, yeah, it wasn't as varied as you can now. But so I, I was like seeking other ways to, uh, do the technology thing while also um, bringing a bit more creativity into it. Uh, so I undertook a master's in um, computational art at uh, Goldsmiths, which is a university in London. Um, and that was super, super cool because it was it was making generative art, but it was also involving like lots of other disciplines like electronics. Um, we did a lot of like 3D printing, laser cutting, um, just all these different disciplines that are kind of like on the peripheries of tech and really fold into art. Um, so yeah, that was where I really like learned how to, um, learn that I could use like coding as a creative medium. And I did a lot of, uh, yeah, I've just sort of like remained in that happy middle space <laughs> for quite a few years. This is like incredibly intriguing. Like I, I, my my brain is spinning <laughs> at almost too fast of a pace here. And it might be the caffeine. It might be just the 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 plethora of knowledge you dropped. You seem to have like two <laughs> kind of congruent lives. Uh, like one technology based and the other art focused. And and with your your yeah. upbringing, the art makes a lot of sense. I guess for me, like, what is ultimately the what sparked the interest, and then ultimately kept it for the technical side, the the coding and things. Yeah, um, I guess it's actually the sort of the same thing that brought me to jewelry and brought me to like all of the different things. I just I like to understand how things are made. So, and I was always very like mathematical as a kid. I was artistic, but I was also mathematical. Um, so the idea of like I remember. I think I made my first website when I was 11, which is like a bit disgusting to say. It sounds a bit boastful, but like I literally just was like, how do you do this? How do, how do people make these these colorful things online? Um, and just like, I, I'm really privileged to have had like my own personal computers since basically, yeah, I was 11 years old. I had my own computer and plenty of time to, to just sort of like fiddle about on it and find out how things work. So um yeah, in more recent years, I've been thinking because like material, like as you can probably see through this project is a big focus of my work and treating like the web as just another material has been like a really interesting kind of perspective to have on on like interacting with a computer. Like if you think of it as a material, how can it be manipulated? How does like what does its intrinsic properties mean when you're interacting with it? Um, sorry, getting a bit arty-farty there, but uh, like I don't actually see them as that different anymore. I guess working with a computer as opposed to doing art, like it's it's a very, you know, it's just another medium, really. No, that's fascinating. I, I honestly have never taken that perspective, which sounds kind of naive mm. to say. But if you look at it as no. another <laughs> medium or material to to play with, and 
and, and shape. That's a, a very, very intriguing analogy. So thank you for sharing. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that's like quite a difficult thing for like artistic people that aren't very technical to sort of like manage in their brain because they're like, it's a, just a completely different way of creating. Uh, but for me, like someone that's, you know, always been sort of toe that line, um, it does at a certain point, you know, when you're, when you're first learning how to code, it can, it's just really frustrating. But then when you get to a point where you feel quite in control of the tools, um, you know, you can have a lot more flexibility around how you use them. So I think it, you just sort of get to the point of it feeling like almost like an extension of your arm. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is actually a really cool analogy because it's part of the reason why I like ceramics in particular I've really struggled with because you got to put in the work to understand like the technique on how to 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 work things so I mean there's a really a direct correlation to to the project maybe I'm starting to to draw lines that don't exist but is there any vein of truth to that and if so could you expand further on maybe the inspiration right yeah i and I think I know what you mean, just sort of like it's it's a very physical medium that I am trying to work through in a very like binary medium, but it still feels like I'm playing with different materials, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's certainly like something I, I, I've been interested in for ages is like how how can how can the web how can the web be a material and what does that what does that mean what like and that sounds like a, a very abstract question uh but when you have tools like javascript that can create really really expressive things um it's then like well inside of that is it is it a limitless space like can you actually do anything can you imitate any like real life experience with code because you can practically do everything now um and like you can in lots of ways, but it's like, what are the actual limits of that? <laughs> and I think the limits of that for me really, and this has been like an enduring frustration throughout my life, right? Is that screens are 2D, <laughs> like you, can't, you can't feel them, you can't touch them with your hands. And I think that clay was a really interesting um, like analogy for that um, because clay is like the, one of the most tactile materials ever. Like you can, you can manipulate it so easily and make interesting shapes and patterns really easily. Um, but then it also goes through this this phase of like when you when you fire it, it's sort of totally fixed in time. Um, so I think there's like an interesting kind of duality there where you're where you're thinking about something being really 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 malleable um, and flexible, but then in this other form that is still very much it as a material. In this other form, it is really stable and really solid and really permanent. Um, so yeah, I feel like I'm maybe talking myself in circles. <laughs> it's uh, just an interesting thing to reflect on and how that relates to like the digital space as well. No, not at all. And I mean, this is like a, well, first of all, I wanted to say uh, clay pottery was like one of the very few artistic things I ever did growing up. Mm -hmm. And I really love the feedback you got from it, the way that you could sort of guide it and manipulate it. Um, just gently while on the, I, I can't even remember the words, but on the wheel um, mm -hmm. and then like create the shape and that. So I think in some ways like that, it, it's probably similar to generative art where you can just have some code and have it perpetuate and interact in different ways with, with a primitive, so to speak, and get variations and outputs from that. Um, 
Yeah, right. definitely. Like the feedback loop is pretty, it's pretty similar. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry, like I, I want to uh, just like pause for one second and ask you, you mentioned earlier that you went and you did a master's in computational art. Like, is, mm. is, is that a new thing or has that been <laughs> around for a while? Um, I, I don't, I can't speak for globally, but um, for my university, it was the only course that was doing that at a, at a like postgraduate level. Um, and I think when I did it in 2016, 17, I think, and that was only the third or fourth year of the program running. And now it's like massively expanded. Um, the University of Arts London, which runs the majority of the art colleges within London, they now have a like creative computing institute. So they've like created a whole separate college effectively for um, creative uses of technology. So it's definitely something that's massively blossoming um, in like a academic space. Um, but yeah, I think it was it was quite early, early days for being able to sort of learn that in a kind of like more formal uh, like uh, academic setting um which is quite interesting because we'd have we'd have these you know lessons on processing and um electronics and stuff but then we'd also have these um critical theory lessons where they talk you know about uh, i keep saying you know <laughs> sorry uh where they would talk about uh, media theory and all of this great history of what uh, media is and at the time you know I'm not much of an essay writer so this wasn't my uh it wasn't my favorite part of the masters but actually, actually something that's really stuck with me thinking about um you know what is what is uh I was about to say what is art but that sounds too arty farty stuff like what what is um something that really really stuck with me from that is uh like knowledge that you hold in your brain and knowledge that you hold outside of your brain like if you had a notebook and you use that as a diary, even though that's physically separate from you and not in your brain, if you always have access to it, is it like, can it not be considered part of your um, like neurological functioning? <laughs> and like, how far does that extend? Like if we, if we have access to like Google constantly, like, can it not be said in some way that we have access, we, we know all information? Anyway, tangential, but um, it was just really interesting to beyond the kind of practical skills that that education gave me to, you know, think a bit more critically about the whole area of technology and, and of art in the, in the intersection. I'd really recommend yeah. it for anyone that wants to like go deep into, <laughs> into, um, into uh, making art with code. It was, it was, most of the people on the course were artists looking to incorporate technology rather than the other way around. Um, so yeah, I, it's just a like phenomenal experience. I loved every well, second. It's super interesting and it feels like ahead of the times almost mm. and wondering, you know, whether through that course or otherwise, how did you hear about web three and decide, you know what, I want to make art that can go become an NFT. Yeah. Um, I think I first heard about NFTs, well, I first heard about NFTs years ago. I don't really remember the context, but um, this whole like long form space, um, I saw like, I'm sure many others, I started seeing art blocks um, in in my Twitter spheres blowing up in kind of spring 2021. Um, and it really, it really pulled me in because it was actually very similar to a lot of things that I'd already been doing. Um, 
<laughs> so much of this stuff with like generative artists that have been around for quite a while we've all solved the same problems loads of ways um so i was actually working on this um project called abstract puzzles um the website's abstractpuzzle.es um where i just kind of was in a bit of a rut and wanted to have more of a more creative generative output and i started this project where every week um for a year i would design a jigsaw puzzle um in the browser both the design and like the shape of the pieces um and i would get them uh, manufactured and then i'd film myself solving them so it was just a like personal fun project for exploring different generative art techniques and that kind of thing but like in doing that i had to come up with a system of um you know how do how do i make these the the generative art how do i make it um like reproducible so that's using like pseudo random number generators instead of like math.random so it needs to be the same every time so I and then I kind of was like all right let's take this one step further and just instead of just refreshing each of these um outputs can I like split off the randomness fit different features within this output so I can curate the sort of thing um I want to see and I was doing that in like 2020 um and you know I'm sure people <laughs> have been doing that for years but it's funny that when all of this um like using like storing generative art on chain became a thing it actually like a lot of those you know like the features um really matched already stuff that i'd been doing before um and ways of kind of like exploring uh exploring an algorithm through like tweaking all these initial parameters um so yeah i was immediately drawn to the idea of it but it took me i mean it's taken me a long time <laughs> to actually join in this is like ridiculously fascinating like i'm I'm like, <laughs> like, uh, almost at a loss for words. So I'm going to make a, an interesting pivot, but with all of this, like integration okay. of digital and physical, you know, in the jewelry making and education, what was the path that led you to art blocks? And then part B of that, I guess, ultimately, that's really like, I'm really intrigued to hear more about is after applying to Artblocks, like what was the the process for for being accepted and the the reaction you had? Because, I mean, to have, I mean, it, this has got to be considered a huge home run for you to be your first generative <laughs> project to be accepted by as an Artblocks curated has got to be a huge, huge, like, amazing lift and and milestone yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah it's sort of it doesn't quite seem real yet because it's been a really long time um but yeah so in in 2021 when i started hearing about all of this stuff um at the time i was working partly i've for about five years i've worked three days a week as a contract web developer and the rest of the time been able to do my own creative stuff um so i've had this lovely mix <laughs> mix of, of of things to fill my days with um and i'd really felt like summer of 2021 you know fidenza blows up i should really be getting on this because i already i have a lot of the skills that are needed <laughs> and um it just seems like a really interesting space to get involved in and uh i actually met up with matt delorier um I, yeah, I've known him for quite a while. We, I met up with him for a coffee to just be like, what is going on here? Like, sh should I be involved in this space? Like, what, what do you suggest I do? Um, and he was like, you know, it's crazy, but amazing. Uh, you should get on Hick at Nunk and just 
share a few things and feel out and you know get get a feel for the space um and that I was like yes I will totally do that and then the more I thought about it the more I was like no I really want to do like a long form thing though um so I got to this kind of point in my life where I was deciding whether to do um like I needed to basically commit to being a software engineer full-time software engineer um or be full-time creative and um I'd had bouts of that before like just working on my own stuff and found it quite lonely so I thought I'm just going to get I'm going to get a full-time job <laughs> so um I I actually started working at GitHub um which for those who don't know is it's a company owned by Microsoft and it's where all of the code for basically the whole internet lives um and yeah I started that in November 2021 so I was like this seems like a bad time to actively work on a long-form charity art project, but uh, it just felt really like urgent. Um, so I started working on it in November, 2021, um, the very start of ceramics. And uh, my aim was to have it done by the end of January. And I felt really good about it. I was, I was in talks with a platform to have it released. Um, things didn't work out with them. So Towards the end of Jan, I felt like I'd almost finished it. Um, and then I caught COVID. And um, I don't know how many of our listeners have like read up on my story with that, but I've basically been pretty disabled by COVID since then. So it's been over a year. Um, and I haven't worked my actual job in that time at all. And uh, I've been, yeah, I've been pretty sick. <laughs> I can, uh, there are some weeks where I can't even like open a computer. I just have a lot of fatigue and also my my vision's quite messed up. So it's hard to, I can't read, it's difficult to code and stuff. So that sort of like really put pause to this whole thing. Um, yeah. And that was end of January last year. So in March, um, Artblocks opened up again for applications and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to submit it. And by the time they get back to me, maybe I will be in a better place where I can work on it again and stuff. Um, and they were really, really patient and got in touch in, I want to say like eight, May, um, saying, you know, you've got to the start of queue. Like, is there anything else you want to do to this project before we actually review it? And I was like, gosh, yes, <laughs> there's lots I want to do. Um, so I've, I've had like, I had like a few bursts of being like, I'm, I don't care how crap I feel. I need to work on this project. Uh, but I think it was, I think it was accepted onto the platform in July and then it was accepted for curation in September. So that was that was quite a while ago. So it's still been, I know they, they had quite a few projects in the pipeline, but we also did have a technical issue with a version dependency, boring, boring stuff. Anyway, that's that's why it's coming out now. Um, so yeah, it's been a really, really long process with Artblocks and doesn't like it doesn't it still doesn't feel like it's actually happening <laughs> but fr from the very start like a year and a half ago when I started this thing I wanted it to be an art blocks creator project like that was my eyes were set on that goal <laughs> and it's not like I've worked every day towards that at all like I haven't been that dedicated <laughs> to it like I, I've been dedicated to it but um yeah I've my ability to actually work on the project has been fluctuating a lot. So, um, so yeah, out of all of this, it's an amazing it's story. And I'm, I'm really actually saddened <laughs> to hear about your experience with COVID. That's, that's, I know it affects a lot of different people in different <sighs> ways. So I have not personally read up on it, but now I'm going to do a little mm. bit deeper, uh, dive into it. Because right. uh, <laughs> I mean, it just sucks, right? It affects everybody differently. And it's cool to mm. hear your resilience and your ability to 
to ascend above some of this. So kudos to you for that. I also well, I've just I've I've been very thankful. I've been I've been very lucky that I happened to get a full time job at this <laughs> similar time to when I got very sick. Um, so I haven't had to worry about money so far until last month. But you know, our books curated will help me out there. Um, we hope so. We're trying to help <laughs> yeah, you, I've, right? I've got a very thank you. Um, but yeah, I've, I'm I'm I've got a very comfortable life. Like I'm in a scenario where I can rest all day if I need to, and I have a lovely partner who help who takes care of me really well um but yeah it, like it sucks i'm getting a little bit better i'm getting you know i sat at a desk for like an hour today which is big for me um so you know hopefully it's just onwards and upwards from here the other part of that story that i can't help but let go of is i just can't imagine you and matt deloria sitting there sipping tea in england somewhere <laughs> he's, he's one of my uh, uh i'll call it gen art man crushes it's a absolutely brilliant so i can only imagine what what sort oh, of legend. brilliant yeah. conversation uh, occurred with that? So kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he'd he'd released Subscates by then, and he was like, "I'm working on another thing," and I was like, "Oh, can you tell me about it?" And he was like, "No," <laughs> but he he gave me some hints. And then when I saw Meridian come out, I was like, "Wow, this is." I mean, he was already a big deal, but I was like, "This is." At the time, I was like, this is the best, the best long form Gerard art project and arguably still is. I mean, I got, did you get the Meridian book? Mine arrived a couple of weeks ago and it's just stunning. I sadly have FOMO that I never got one. So I'm watching <laughs> all these Twitter posts about it and uh, yeah. sad that I don't have one. It is a beautiful, if they, yeah. if they sell another edition of them, I'd, I'd really recommend it to everyone. Yeah, it looks amazing. And I I wanted to just quickly echo what Jared was saying, Charlotte. I mean, I really feel for you with the, the long COVID and like, I'm really glad that we're here speaking and you're, you're feeling a little bit better and mm. are able to, to make the effort as, uh, as I shared with you, you know, I come from the healthcare space and I know that this is like, mm. a, it's a, it's a tough thing to do anything when you feel sick. So applaud you for making the steps, pushing yourself and, and bringing it to this point. And, yeah, uh, thanks. And I wanted to ask you, you know, there's a couple things you said as, as we were talking um, that was just super interesting to me. Like the, the first thing I wanted to ask you is why did you really want to do a long form form project? Mm. Um, yeah, I guess fundamentally it's making Jerry to art is so it's, it's a really fun personal process. Um, but then when you share, if you're, if you're selling a piece of art, sharing a piece of art, that's just a, a JPEG, um, you can't, you can't experience like the full breadth of, of how it got to that point. And also I think it's quite, it's very common as a generative artist to go like 80% with an algorithm and be like, I can pick out one out of 20 of these random outputs that I like, and that's enough because I'm just curating them for, and I'm just going to post these ones. Um, so the challenge of making something where even with all of all of the chaos of all of the randomness that goes in, like I still am proud of every single output. That seemed like a really interesting challenge, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we love long form generative art, but mm -hmm. I was curious to hear it from your standpoint. And I agree. I mean, it allows people to experience the algorithm more fully. And you also have that awesome generator that you uh, have put up. So I'll I'll pin a tweet that links to that, so folks listening can go and play around with it. And yeah. another question for you is: I hadn't realized how early on you had finished the project. 
How do you feel about it now, uh, more than a year later? Uh, of course, assuming you've made like a few tweaks here and there, but it sounds yeah. like nothing major. Yeah, um, yeah, it's difficult. I went through this phase in early summer, I think after it had been exceptional to the platform, but before curation review, where I would every day export a few thousand of them. And I'd, I have like a whole system. I'm sure you've, I, I know that you've talked to other people about their, their um, methods for doing this and into the collection. But uh, yeah, I, I would mass export and I would rate them on a scale of, of one to five and I'd be able to match it up with all of the features and see which features weren't working in a spreadsheet and stuff. And I got, I got really really deep into trying to like tweak things to pick out the things I don't like and it actually was it was not fun at a certain point I, I was not happy with I think in the same way that if you have a generative algorithm and you're you're refreshing 50 times to find one you like it's like if that if you're doing that there's a sign that something deeper needs to change like you need to go back to the code and and redo things um but yeah I well I just didn't have the energy to like massively rethink the whole thing so it's difficult because I'm I'm so used to the algorithm now. I really, really know the bounds of what it can create. And therefore I have a very instinctive reaction to everyone that pops up. Like I, I would spend my days, you know, every second flipping to a new one and rating it. So I I have like a very innate understanding of what I like and what I don't like. Um and it's it's interesting sharing it with other people and they just pick completely different things to what I see as being the 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 nicer outputs I guess um so yeah I do have I've got I got to the point where I was like I'm not going to have this finished until I can confidently say that like less than three percent of them are a three star or lower so there are still like the odd one that comes out that I'm not happy with um but I'm generally happy with them and I do I just have to keep reminding myself that other people are seeing different things to what I'm seeing <laughs> like a five star for me maybe a two star for someone else but also vice versa so it's it's really interesting seeing other people interact with it and share their ones that they like because I can I can look at it and be like oh that little stroke there is really annoying like I wish that wasn't there but they're like you know compositionally it may make it interesting um so yeah it's also it's been very difficult with this algorithm because um the the things I'm I really pre-describe are the um, like the tool profile, the um, the glazes, the the all the colors and stuff. Um, but the actual kind of layout of the strokes is really not under my control. Basically, <laughs> it uses a uh, a vector field that, and I do some things to refine how things look. Like I algorithmically decide the order of the order in which to draw the strokes. Um, in order to make them like the most the most balanced composition possible it's really it's really hard to describe these things because it's just deep in the code but um i i'm i'm fundamentally not in charge of how they look overall like the actual composition of it uh which is really it's quite scary it's difficult to let go of that control um but i know i'm i'm accepting that i'm not in control of that and that doesn't mean that they're bad you know <laughs> like they're, they're, yeah. people like different things so well, i'm happy and, with it <laughs> and i think this is part of the magic of generative art is that i i you get to 
build a broader community base than you would by allowing for these variations, some of which are maybe a three star for you, but like a five star for somebody else. Mm -hmm. And I think that as a whole can bring together this network or this community, as we like to call it, of people who really enjoy the art. And uh, I'm sure it's scary to, to give up control like that, uh, especially when you've been working on something for so long and for so hard and waiting for so long yeah. for it to be released. But I really think that this is part of the magic of it. And I'm very excited to hear how you feel about it after the drop. Mm. And uh, once you get to see those final outputs. Um, yeah, but... fingers crossed. I, I like them. <laughs> uh... Well, I, I, I'm look, sure I, mean, I will it's just it's it's actually really it's really wonderful being able to share this now because it's been so I mean obviously I've I've shown friends and I've shared with other artists but um it's I yeah over the course of my experience with this web3 gen art world um I've mostly interacted with um artists so it's the idea of seeing like the collector's perspective and like learning more about the collective community is a really exciting thing that I get to engage with now. That's right. And I think you may find some inspiration as, as maybe some unexpected elements of the pieces mm -hmm. are more popular than you thought that that might give you some ideas for where you might want to take your art next. Uh, but mm -hmm. before we talk about the next one, what mm -hmm. was your inspiration behind this one? And I'll just throw out a couple other ideas to see if they help. You know, like why ceramics instead of jewelry? Mm -hmm. You had worked with both. <laughs> And, you know, what were you trying to bring differently or express with this piece? Yeah, um, I mean, there are tons of different answers to that. I think at the very start, well, I had this little, I had this tile that I made in a pottery class um, years ago. And I have, I have a pretty extensive um, archive of like random things I've made. <laughs> so uh, when I was originally thinking like, I want to make a long form project, where should I start? Like where, what, what area could have a rich, a richness to explore that hasn't been touched on before. Um, and I looked through my material archives and I found this, this tile that had, had this, you can see it on my, on my website, shardown.com slash ceramics. I put a photo of it in there. Sadly, it's no longer, it was smashed, um, which is just a real shame, but it was a, it was a tile that I'd, uh, using this method called Scrafito, um, where you add a you add a, a layer of coloured slip on top of a surface and then you carve it away so you can see the colour underneath. Um, so it was using this method called Scrafito and then I actually filled in the lines with different coloured underglazes. So um, it wasn't that, it, it just really excited me because it was so... Uh, it was so kind of random, like it was a proper just doodle that I that I made, um, but I just found it really beautiful. And I love that it was a doodle that is now so permanent, like doodles never get to be to be kind of elevated to the, to the point um, of, of being like something you can be proud of. Um, so I love that aspect of it. And yeah, when it comes to why ceramics are not uh, jewellery, well, it actually was Initially, I, 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 I love the technical challenge of the idea of, okay, so if I make a slab of clay and I want to cut into it, how the hell do I do that with code? Um, and, he, uh, and I was also very much like, someone else is going to figure this out soon. Someone's going to post a long form project with this. I need to figure it out. Um, and it took a long time to get to the technical solutions for those things, which were really, it, that was a really interesting process in itself. Um, and I actually, I've been posting deep dive blog posts on 
the kind of technical aspects of this project. So you can find them on my website as well. And the first one that is about like literally the, the technique of making this carved surface. Um, but yeah, when I first made it, I was playing with all different kinds of materials because I was like, it's just a concept of, of sort of loosely carved shapes. It doesn't actually have to have the aesthetics of anything in particular. Um, and I did play with metal and it looked amazing, <laughs> especially with like fine strokes, um, just the way the light bounced off of them. It looked really cool. Um, so when I was making this project initially, I did have, I had like, on the one hand, this like clay um, style, which was more kind of matte, um, more textured. And then I had this like super shiny, um, like different sorts of precious metals. And I was kind of thinking, can they, are these two projects or these one project, they kind of came together and went apart a few times. Um, and the metal one, ultimately, like I decided that they couldn't be one project. And I decided to go with the ceramic based one because I um, I thought there was like a lot more opportunity for different outputs with with glazes and stuff. Um, because the metal ones did, I mean, at least with the the style of um, strokes I was going with at the time, they did have quite a uniform uh, look, which wasn't very appealing. Um, so yeah, I went with the, I went with the metal one and I'm really, uh, sorry, I went with the ceramic one. Um, and I'm really glad I did. Cause I think in developing the glazes, I've, I've really refined that, um, you know, that, that tactile nature of them, but I actually, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going, I'm going back to metal. Um, and I'm going to continue working on that side of things. I'm going to maybe start from scratch and, and rebuild. Um, but yeah, one of the things that's been really frustrating about this project and that we haven't touched on yet is that it's it's just begging to be made into real ceramics, isn't it? Like <laughs> it's you look at it and you're like, I need to touch. Well, it, you right? you jump to one of the things. <laughs> I'll jump to that. You know, Snowfro's been very um, open about his connection between the the physical and digital, even so much as. Mm creating his own ceramics for uh, a project he did grails with the proof collaborative so or collection excuse me so i mean there is this uh natural integration not only with snowfro because of his passion for ceramics but i just feel like your project lends itself naturally have there been any considerations there <laughs> Yeah, it 100% does. And when I first started making it, I was like, of course, I'm going to make physicals as well, physical ceramics. Um, and just because of my health, it's not been something I've been able to prioritize. Like I've spoken to lots of different ceramicists. Everyone seems to think it's sort of possible. Um, as in, it totally would be possible, but I want it to be, it would be, sorry, you can't see my hands, but um, if they were like small tiles, that would be really easy to do. Um, but I don't think it would be worthwhile unless it was an impactful size. So I'm thinking like a foot and a half by a foot and a half. And that suddenly gets very complicated when it comes to um, firing clay because things that big crack. So it, it just, it would require a lot of R and D. Um, and I didn't find someone that would basically be, be up for doing all of that for me. So I think that's uh, something that I would have to be really involved in. And I really would like to, I really would like to. Um, I thought a lot about like how to practically make it happen, um, but it's just a lot of energy that I don't physically have right now. So I, I, will be, I will be selling prints after the drop and they do actually look 
incredible as prints. I've had some up in my, I've had six in a row up in my kitchen for the last six months and they are beautiful. But um, the actual ceramics thing, not for now, uh, but it will be eventually. I've, I've actually always had this, this friction of I design something in the browser and then I'm like, okay, how do I make it real now? And I've had this with um, Hextote, which is my generative jewelry um business and i had it with the puzzles i was talking about earlier and um i <laughs> i basically decided for my next project because i want to come back to the the sort of metal counterpart to ceramics um i've decided to actually flip the script and try and do the physical side first and then let that inform the digital side well, you're um, way more which... brave than i that the just trying to find <laughs> the way the patterning i mean i'm as we're we're on you know, the spaces I'm sitting here clicking refresh on the explore possibilities. And I'm staring at one right now that appears to have like a, uh, that metal, like a golden glaze. And I'm, I'm really yeah. just amazed by the, the amount of texture, even the, the signature, almost like the appearance of the stamp in the lower right. It, it's a, mm. it's a really, really intriguing project. And I'm, I'm curious to see how this is going to, I'll call it map over into like the digital display arena. I feel like this is a, a one that mm. when enjoyed, not on a laptop or a, you know, not I'll say mobile phone, as you say, assume everybody has an iPhone mm. now, you know, what sort of uh, attention to detail and the, the depth of it will, will be able to be further enjoyed. It's almost one of those, like I always go back to the three story Samsung display at NFT NYC last year. And I had such a, more profound appreciation for how art blocks can scale mm. to the display. Yeah. This is one that I'm really, really anxious in a positive way to to see because <laughs> it's, I feel like it's so brilliant and there's so much going on. It's, it, it really needs that larger format to, to integrate into. I, yeah, I totally agree. I, I actually thought maybe it wouldn't work as, um, like in real life as a flat piece because I was like it would just be so annoying when it clearly look it looks like a sad shadow of what the the physical thing would be um but there's there's something really magical about them I think it's the it's it because they're all lit from point lights it sort of creates this you can still kind of you still believe it um and then you get to kind of appreciate like it's quite weird to describe, but like if you have this print on your wall and you think, okay, above me, there's a light that's reflecting on that. And you can sort of imagine this different space that you're in as if it did create the thing in front of you physically. Um, and I think, yes, yeah, scale is massively important with that. That's why I, that's why I didn't like the idea of making these kind of like 20 centimeter square tiles, because then they're just they they look like kitchen tiles. They look like someone spent far too long <laughs> making a kitchen tile. But if you then upsize that to like two feet squared, it would be phenomenally impactful. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think scales. I, I would love to see it on a see them on a big screen. That would be that would be nice. I haven't ever seen them that large. So yeah, maybe yeah. someday at some exhibition that we're, we're thinking like uh, fifty feet square. <laughs> now we're thinking yeah. real big. <laughs> well, the I, I not that I didn't appreciate. TLP's project screens, but once I saw it on the 50 foot screen, I was like, Oh, I get it now. Like it, it's what it's, mm-hmm. it's a few of those things where like the, the scale, not saying you need 50 foot screen per se, but 
the the attention to detail and, and everything and how mm -hmm. art blocks in particular can scale to that resolution is something that's incredible. I did want to go back and double click yeah. on something here because it's uh, we went in a direction that <laughs> it was a left hand turn from where I thought we were going. But you mentioned you <laughs> were you made all of your code public. Did I hear you correctly? Uh, no, I haven't okay. made the code. For, oh, I haven't made the code for the project public, but I am writing. Well, I kind of am. Um, I'm writing really uh, detailed blog posts on all of the, basically all of the technical aspects of the project. So um, two of them are already out, and one is the first one is on how um, how I made the 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 sort of depth effect, um, and the second one is how I use vector fields. So I. I think it's like I love um, educating through through showing what I've done. Um, I've always loved that. So, and a lot of the times that's really passive. It's like you can just you can read through my code, but the idea of going through every step and saying like this is exactly how I did this thing, um, because I'm sure that other people have done similar things before, but most people wouldn't wouldn't think of oh to make that effect i can i can try this this way of doing it with code um and i think that a lot of people are very protective over their techniques in that way because they're like oh as soon as people know how to do the thing that i'm doing you know my project will just like not look any good anymore because there'll be a hundred of them but um i don't i just i'm just really over that like <laughs> someone could someone can steal my code someone can make something similar like good for them i'd I, i'd like as long as i'm um, you know, respected as the person that came up with that technique. Sure, anyone go ahead and use it. So it's really lovely the idea of being able to share all of the all of the things I've learned from doing this um, in a way that feels really positive. And um, yeah, I say at the top of my first blog post, like, you know, don't copy this word for word. I mean, you can if you want to, but use this as a use this as a jumping off point to ex you know use your artistic perspective well, I think that's and some of the things I've said to go. Admirable, because not only does it challenge you to innovate and to stay ahead of the curve, but it allows others to, to on-ramp maybe a little bit quicker. And I think it's only a good thing for the the overall generative art space. And I think, you know, take this moment to say kudos to you for having the confidence in your code and creative <laughs> nature to, to allow that into the public. It's it's very seldom do you see it, and and when you said that, I I I wanted to take a moment and just say thank you for that because I'm looking at these outputs, and again, just the, the way some of these have a iridescent sheen versus like a flat terracotta look. I mean, I really do feel like you nailed this ceramic appearance, and it's it it's uh you know it's got me scratching my head. I have zero, full disclosure, I have zero coding slash technical skills, but I think you you know from a ceramics perspective you captured uh you know a tile and ceramics perspective just just yeah. spot on i mean really really good job well thanks yeah and i think i think sharing like the the blog post i'm writing now hopefully i'll be able to get it out before the project goes live and that's all about how um how i actually made the the textures and made it feel real and the lighting and, and all of that stuff um and i i love sharing that stuff because in on the one hand, it shows like just how much I've had to think it through. And on the other hand, it kind of demystifies it. Um, and I think for if, you know, for people that aren't very technical, they don't want it demystified and that's fine. And they wouldn't 
probably understand all of the technical side of things, so it does make a difference. But for the people that um, are a bit more technical, technical, do have a more of a coding background? It's it's just so satisfying to learn how things are made. <laughs> like I've seen so many generative art projects and like art blocks projects, and I will copy the code and I will unminify it. Um, I mean, to the extent that I can, and I will go through and like figure out what they've done, not because I want to copy it, but just because it's really, it's really interesting that you know that someone's gone on such a journey to create that thing. Uh, so I just kind of want to expose the journey. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I also think to piggyback up Jared's point there, uh, by exposing this code and I mean, like you mentioned the lighting, right? I mean, that, that's like one of the first mm. things that strikes me. But yeah, you might see more art out there that has that kind of lighting, but you may also be seen as the person who, who kicked that off and people give credit mm. to each other. There's a lot of provenance in that, just like the, the Fidenza flow fields example is one that mm. is uh, used a lot where a lot of people think about Fidenza when they see flow fields now because it was just, just done so well. And yeah. You've done this fantastically. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, our, our listeners love hearing a little bit about the uh, you know, some of the different traits and some of the mm. different features that you put in this or, or really, you know, the primitives that you, you started with and you mentioned kind of like the lighting and the glaze. But I wanted to ask you, like, how is, as you think about these pieces, how does the composition come together? And are there any particular compositions or variations that, that you personally enjoy a lot? Uh, and then mm. maybe after that, we can I have a few questions for you about some of the specific traits that you put in here, but, but traits aside, like yeah. how did you think about the, the pieces fitting together uh, and which ones do you like the best? Yeah, um, the composition, as I said before, the composition is the thing that I, I feel like I have the least control over. It's the least refined. It's just, it's kind of chaotic. Um, so when it comes to the traits and how they influence, how it looks, um, as I said, it's using a vector field, which is it's like Tyler Hobbs's flow fields. It's from that realm. Um, again, I've written a blog post about it. If you want, if you want to see like how I came up with this, um, but it means that I I sort of set loads of starting points um, on the canvas, and then I say just follow wherever wherever this field is going. Um, so I have control over where where they start, when they stop. Um, and that's pretty much it. So I have one of the features is called placement and that that determines the starting point um, for each thing. And they stop when they hit each other or hit the bounds of the thing. But beyond that, I'm really not in control of a lot of it, um, which is is really fun. Um, there's a there's a feature called scale, which now I'm thinking about it. It's not a very well-worded feature. <laughs> that can that can mean anything. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, that's the scale of the flow field. So uh, the macro one would have a very light sort of swooping curves, and the micro one would have like lots more little like tight turns in it. Um, so that really influences how they look. Um, and also the layers is one that really changes how things look, and it's um, something I I really love is seeing how to so something with two layers and say a column placement um it will have all these different starting points down down different columns uh, but it'll run it once with one vector field and then again with those same starting points with a di different vector field and seeing how they overlap and interact is um can create some really really beautiful outputs uh but yeah I, there are some 
what do I like the most? It's it's really difficult because it's like really particular combinations of features I love. Um, so like I'm looking at one right now that I just happened to load up on my um, local editor, which is kind of similar to the um, to the Mint Zero, but it's it's thin lines. It's got that jade kind of green colored background. Thin lines. It's in a grid formation, but it's just totally full um, of it's yeah the whole the whole square is full of these fine these fine lines that um overlap each other and i i love that um but yeah some of the ones that are like really chaotic with many layers and thick strokes i i love them as well so um there's there's a lot of range range in there yeah there certainly is i mean just looking at the options for the metadata you've mm. uh, put a lot of variety in there which is super exciting and you mentioned scale uh which yeah. Uh, yeah, is i i think I'm, I'm really curious to play around now and, and see which ones might come out uh but i wanted to ask you like what is a mishima that's one of the categories <laughs> and the options yeah. here for folks who, who aren't looking at this there's none white cobalt vermilion and luster um yeah so Mishima, it's sort of a callback to that original tile that I um, was inspired by. Uh, so Mishima is a, it's an old technique. Um, it's got a Japanese name, but it's actually Korean. I think it was started in like the 15th century or something like that, uh, where you would take um, take a, a pot or a slab of clay and you would carve lines in it. And then you would fill the lines with a different colored slip, which is uh, just thin colored clay or an underglaze which is sort of closer to um what you would glaze on the top um so it's basically a way of infilling these intricate um intricate lines so mishima um like <laughs> all of my features i don't i'm i'm sure other artists um have these things where like there are some combinations of features that will never show up um and for mine there's a lot of uh there's a lot of kind of loose correlation between different features, if I can put it like that. So, for example, like the f the finer the stroke, the more likely it is to be uh, to have a low density, but like not necessarily, if that makes sense. Um, so the Mishima is one of those things that shows up mostly on really fine things, mostly on things that aren't very dense. Um, and there's also like it's quite specific on what materials they can go on top of. Um, but yeah, it's interesting having a, uh, like the, the white is white, cobalt is, is quite a strong blue, vermilion is a strong red, and luster is that um, shiny gold um, that, that you've mentioned before. So uh, yeah, the, it, the, the cobalt and vermilion and the luster actually, um, I'm trying to think where the white, the white is not allowed on everything and I can't think of, where it is right now but um yeah the cobalt vermilion and luster on uh raw materials so materials that haven't been fired at all um they look like really flat and almost like just not very saturated on the bisque fired ones they're um they're still quite matte but they have quite a lot of color to them and then on the glazed materials they're really shiny and they're kind of glass-like and they have this this sort of um reflection inside of them where you can really see that it's sort of like a, a, a bead of blue glass has flown through the strokes um so yeah i think a lot of i do have a lot of features that they're all really like if you take them one by one just just something with cobalt mishima will look really different depending on 
the material um so yeah that was that was a fun feature to play with it also adds a lot of like variety to to the whole collection because without that i'm everything is the same color basically so it's nice to introduce something that kind of added a a different kind of visual interest to the collection um, so this is so cool because I, re I realized through this, I'm going to be learning a lot more about the ceramics that, that I've never knew before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be things. honest, I'm not, I'm not much of a ceramicist, as in, I'm not, I like, I, l I love clay, but I, I'm not, I don't know too much about it. So I'm sure there are, um, there are like actual ceramicists out there that are going to be biting my head off at some of the things I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I've done, I've done lots of research and talked to a lot of ceramicists, but I can't say that I have like, uh, I don't have the, the finger knowledge of, of how all of these things fit together. So um, I did make sure that all of the glazes would be possible, basically, like you could achieve those effects, but um, there's, I've taken a certain amount of creative license, um, especially with the Mishima and how that, that um, looks, because, you know, if you can do it, <laughs> why not <laughs> yeah that's right i mean maybe you'll uh, inspire some ceramicists to uh, try out new things based on that creative license that that you've taken uh mm. i'd no, be sick to see if anyone else if any a ceramicist ever like try and recreate one of these pieces that would be incredible and like um i'd love to as i, I like i would love to make these these physical and as i said before i just can't do it right now but if anyone wants to collaborate with me on it i would be you know really open to that it'd be so cool yeah, well, we'll we will keep our ears to the ground for that because uh, <laughs> I would love to. I mean, you know, I was super excited about the idea of like uh, generating some of these physical ceramics, and and I under completely understand the challenges of it. But um, maybe in the future, that's something that could happen. I think that could be really cool. Um, mm -hmm. And Charlotte, so we wanted to open up the uh, floor for any audience questions. So if anybody mm -hmm. has any questions, please go ahead and request. Uh, raise your hand. And uh, while folks are uh, thinking about if they can ask a question, if they have a question, if they can step away from the desk to ask a question, I have one for you. Um, mm -hmm. What is, are there any hidden like features that you didn't put in the mm -hmm. metadata or anything hidden that comes out that you are, uh, well, first of all, yes or no, are there any? And then if <laughs> yes, are there any you can share? Uh, there aren't any like, particular features that weren't features there are things that are like for example the amount of columns and rows and grid columns and rows that's something that is not a feature um something that is that i would look out for is one of those things where i i hope that it works in all of the pieces that have this combination but um yeah really fingers crossed for this but the um for ones that don't have a frame, so ones where the strokes go to all the corners, um, it was really difficult to figure out how I wanted to handle the numbering in the corner, um, because obviously that would need a flat surface to be <laughs> to be uh, kind of carved into. So I've sort of made it sort of average the depth of that little area where the number is, and it kind of hopefully looks like a bit of a smudge. Um, so it would be interesting to see how that manifests across the collection. Um, there may be, yeah, there may be some where it's, if you have like really, really thick strokes that are really deep um, in that corner, like it was, it was just very difficult to manage how that would work. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping the ones that do have that come out, come out looking good. Oh, and I can't wait. 
Um, okay. <laughs> that, I, I really, I mean, I've been playing with the generator. And for folks that are listening, if you look at the uh, tweet that's tagged here in the spaces that has a link to the generator, and uh, of course, there's also one on Sansa.xyz, but really, really excited to see how these come out when, and what the, the whole collection looks like once they've all been minted and kind of can look at them together. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, anyone in the audience, please feel free to raise your hand, come up if you have any questions. And uh, I have... Uh, Another question for you, Charlotte, as we're waiting mm -hmm. to see if anybody has any. Uh, what is next for you? I know it's probably hard to think about that, <laughs> uh, but I'm curious if you've uh, considered what you might want uh, to go to after this. Yeah, I have like a million things rattling around my head at any given time. I have so many things I want to work on. So um, the, first, the first thing is I started working on this um, – pasta project <laughs> in like October where um I'm making I'm making generative uh art with with um dried pasta um digitally not physically uh and that was a really fun sort of two-week thing that I was messing around with um and which I absolutely love and I didn't finish off so I'm going to go back to that um it might be on fx hash it might be more of a um exhibit exhibition type thing um i'm not really sure where it's gonna lend me but that's the next thing i'm i'm gonna play with uh with code and then the other thing is um the the metal counterpart to this project um but as i said before i'm gonna focus on making the physical side of that work before the digital side so i'm buying myself a cnc is the, is the conclusion of that uh and yeah i'll see how that goes but i'm very much like i can only work at the pace my body will let me work. So it might be a while before you see anything new from me, but um, I'm always working away on things. That's amazing. Well, uh, really, really interesting to see what comes out of that fantastically creative brain of yours uh, after <laughs> this one. Uh, Dee Bachman, thanks for coming up on stage. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, just confirming that my audio is coming through okay. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I love the sound of the pasta project, but I had a question uh, <laughs> about ceramics. I was curious, given your kind of like experience working with this algorithm, how mm. you think, or I guess like how feasible do you think it would be to do like a generative project around a more like 3D ceramics piece? Like I'm imagining a more, you know, traditional throne vase or, you know, shape um, that, you know, I'm just curious, yeah, like how, how you might approach that if it yeah. would be possible. Yeah, thank you for um, the question. Yeah, I've, I've really discovered through this and through thinking of um, the, the next few things I want to work on that weirdly, like the idea of doing three, like 3D things on like a 2D scale, like really works for me. Like a lot of my ideas are naturally turning into this kind of thing where it's like a, a a flat lay view of a 3D thing. Um, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely possible and interesting, um, the idea of doing 3D ceramics. Uh, yeah, sculpture, I'm, I'm much more of like a surface designer than I am a sculptor. So it's not really like an area that I'm, um, that I would know where to start with, I guess, that I don't, I don't know what, like what I would find 
interesting about working with that form and like how my style would come out in that. Um, I just want to shout out a guy um, called Tom Lauerman, L-A-U-E-R-M-A-N. Um, he's on Twitter and he does, He yeah, I think he works as, he works um, in a university, probably on a similar course to the one I undertook. And his, his thing is all about um, ceramics and uh, like 3D printing ceramic stuff ceramic clay um so if you're interested in that i really suggest checking him out because he's got has like a lot of physical tools to actually produce um generative designs in actual clay which i think is really cool like and much more sculptural than the sort of things i've been working on um and he's yeah doing a lot of interesting things kind of playing with that medium so um that's definitely someone to to check out if you're interested in that realm of stuff and i i would be like if i if i had if i had access to a clay 3d printer i would definitely be using it um but yeah i mean it's it's one of a, a long list of things i'd love to explore <laughs> thanks so much for the question eh? and by the way i wanted to say kudos for uh for everyone in the in the spaces because i know we're we're battling uh you know the SVB bank debacle and those yeah. seem to be sucking up all listenership. So wanted to just take a moment and say thank you everybody and thank you Charlotte for your time because um you know this to me is a, a little ray of sunshine amidst all the other <laughs> BS that uh maybe is is creating a little bit of um heartache for people. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's a tense time, but it's it's honestly I could talk to I could probably talk to myself in a mirror about this for hours and hours at times. So it's lovely having any anyone listening um, and talking back to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and uh, honestly, I don't I don't really know what people are are still talking about with uh, <laughs> the SVP stuff, but it seems to be a twenty four hour news cycle. I think I saw a Twitter Spaces that was on for like sixteen hours straight or something yeah. like that over the weekend. Um, but uh, Vicky, thanks for requesting. You have a question for Charlotte? It's more of a thank you because it's not often I get to hear a, a fellow Brit. So, and it's <laughs> art coding, AI, and Sarah's clapping crazy. Her, Sarah and I, we do an AI space every day and we're always talking about creative, wacky things. And as soon as you even said pasta, I'm like, Oh my god, I know Sarah's gonna be in a completely different state than me. I'm over in Florida, but like laughing her head off because it's the kind of things we talk about and everyone will go, Why do we enter a space when someone was talking about pasta and code? <laughs> uh yeah, I think I, I just have it was actually my pasta project was a joke where someone a friend of mine when I was chatting at dinner about um ceramics they were like oh what are you gonna do next like generative pasta art and i was like yes <laughs> that sounds amazing <laughs> it's it's really fun to just be able to like have a play you know with anything like silly silly little ideas like i tweeted the other week has anyone made a um generative where's wally and like as far as i can see no one has sorry where's waldo for the americans um like why doesn't that exist it, like so many of these of these parts of our lives like serious and also just like silly playful things um can be explored in a generative context which just makes them so much more exciting like they're really fun to explore as a coder but i think they're really enjoyable for other people to um to like you know consume and explore as well uh, sorry to hear about obviously all your covid but uh, i send you positive <laughs> healing energy that you're going to uh, kick ours through that now when this all takes off as well so i'm excited to see it all pan out thanks great space
Thank you. Yeah, the adrenaline is definitely going to keep me on a high for a while, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you, Vicky, for coming up and the kind words and the support uh, for Charlotte. And uh, thank you, everybody else. I mean, I think uh, we can probably go ahead and wrap it up here. Really appreciate everybody coming and joining. And as I mentioned, for folks who uh, may have missed this, I know that you're not here right now, but if other people are like, oh, I missed it. We'll have this out on our podcast. And really looking forward to the launch. Again, that's March 15th, 1 p.m. Eastern, which is uh, now 5 p.m. Oh UTC. Uh, yeah, so I've made it complicated. <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit, but um, yeah, we, we really, really appreciate you, Charlotte. Thank you for taking the time for sharing your story and, of course, your art with everybody here. Yeah, thank you so much for um, all of the insightful questions. And uh, it seems like you have a wonderful audience as well. And um, yeah, I love all of your all of your um, deep dives with collections and also your like weekly um, newsletter and stuff. I, I'm I'm a big fan of, of Collectors Corner. <laughs> I'll, I'll be following along. Um, yeah, every time. Yeah, I'm really excited about Wednesday. It's going to be strange, but it's going to be really cool. And I hope everyone um, joins in. Yeah. Embrace it. it you're it sounds like you've put in a lot of thought and effort into this and it definitely shows in the outputs. It's, uh, you know, it's a huge accomplishment to, to be an art blocks curated artist and it's well-deserved. So congratulations. I mean that with the utmost sincerity, because it's <laughs> such a, such a amazing launch point for, for any generative artist. um, huge accomplishment. And I just wanted to circle back to kudos for you for sharing a lot of, uh, what went into this, the secret sauce and really allowing yourself to potentially grow and, and expand beyond, beyond your, your wildest dreams as an artist by, uh, by sharing that and embracing the community. I, th I think it's a very admirable thing that you're doing and, and I couldn't, uh, say thank you enough for on behalf of the community. Not that I'm the foremost expert, but awesome, awesome approach to it. It's very admirable. Yeah, well, thanks a lot. And thank you so much for talking to me about this project. I feel like we could go on for like half an hour just thanking each other. So um, <laughs> we need to wrap it up. Definitely could. <laughs> well, well, I, I, absolutely. And uh, I will just, one parting thought, congratulations on your first Twitter spaces. Mm -hmm. You are amazing. Like you, you should do more of these. You should do more yeah, of these. I will, uh, I will. So really appreciate you uh, taking the time, summoning up the energy battling everything you're battling health-wise so thanks again and uh with with that we'll go ahead and uh end it so charlotte can, can get some rest <laughs> and get ready for the big day thank you again everybody for Bye, joining everyone. us thanks for the questions vicky deep Bachman, appreciate you all and we'll see you next time cool. Thank you for tuning into Collector's Corner. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you like this episode and want to help us out, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow us on YouTube. Please also follow us on Twitter for announcements as we expand to other social and content platforms. Our Twitter handle is at collectors underscore XYZ. We'd also love to hear any feedback you have. So please comment or reach out. We're always striving to be more useful and get better so we can help you in your collecting journey. Thank you.
The Collector's Corner team and their guests are not registered investment advisors. All views expressed on this podcast are personal opinions and are not specific inducements to make particular investments or investment strategies and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. This show is solely for informational and entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, please consult a professional.